0: Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. Hi, I'm Susan Jurgensen, the Associate Pastor here. I'm so glad to be preaching with you today. Would you please say a prayer with me before I begin? Holy Spirit, May my words and all of our thoughts, words, and actions reflect the fullness of your mercy and grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Today, we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke with the sermon series, Good News, Great Joy, All People, and we're focusing today on the beginning of Luke chapter 6. I'm hoping that you've made time to read and meditate on these words of Luke on your own. If you haven't, I really encourage you today to go ahead and pick up your Bible and read up to chapter six. If you have been taking time to read along, I'm wondering what are your thoughts, your questions? I love studying scripture and I'd love to hear from you. Please, please don't hesitate to contact me with your thoughts and questions this week. Go ahead and grab your bible now and let's look together as we read the text for today it's going to be luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 10 luke 6 1 through 10 which you see on your screen as a reference before we hear these verses read let me say uh, i've recorded this sermon or we recorded this sermon on january 24th for reasons of doing worship digitally these days And we all know a lot can happen in a week. So please keep that in mind as I continue to preach, knowing you're not hearing this until January 31st. So hear these words of Scripture now. One Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked some heads of grain rubbed them in his hands and ate them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which it's not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would cure on the Sabbath so that they might find an accusation against him. Even though he knew what they were thinking, he said to the man who had the withered hand, come and stand here. He got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or destroy it? After looking around at all of them, he said to them, to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored. I absolutely love how this chapter begins immediately we have a bearing for the events we're going to read about. It starts, it came to pass on a Sabbath. As Christians, we've kind of gotten disconnected from Sabbath and what it really means. It might not hold any context for you, although you probably know the word Sabbath, which you have heard probably in the Ten Commandments, Sabbath from the Hebrew Shabbat, which means rest our roots as methodists in the reformed and anglican tradition tell us that it's commandment number four although it's interesting because in the roman catholic and lutheran tradition they count this about the sabbath as commandment number three just an interesting tidbit hear this starting from exodus 20 chapter 8 which are the words about sabbath remember the sabbath day and keep it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your servants, or your livestock. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it, set it aside as a special day. I know we haven't traveled much on vacation since the beginning of 2020, definitely not on any cruises or any overseas adventures, but do you remember the feeling of being on vacation, whether you've been on one recently or not? If you can tap into that feeling of being on a really great vacation, that will help me explain Sabbath. You know, the excitement of getting away from it all and having fun, the yearning to spend time with other people in a relaxing way, to recharge, having time to look around at nature or art or history and enjoy it fully. The way your muscles relax when you're on a vacation, the way your breathing becomes easier and deeper, and sleep. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes on vacation, there's more abundant sleep, but it's also more refreshing knowing you don't have to get up and do tasks in the morning. Vacation. Now imagine having all of those feelings of vacation once a week, but in a smaller way. Not having to wait for some time in the future for that experience. My feeble description of being on vacation is just the tip of the iceberg in describing what a Sabbath rest once a week can be. You might think of Sabbath as something only those in the Jewish faith experience and practice, not Christians, or maybe something that generations ago people had done on a Sunday to have a long worship service and then basically not have any fun the rest of the day to restrain from work but also not have much fun. But practicing Sabbath as Christians has found a resurgence lately, and I've been practicing it since last March, and I believe it's something God still wants us to experience, a mini vacation from it all, where we give ourselves time to experience the beauty of creation, to slow down, to look around, to rest our bodies, and to reconnect with people that we love. And since we're not following rules and laws as followers of Christ, under a new covenant i don't believe it has to be a certain day of the week but whatever day you can truly make that a part of your life for the week to feel refreshed so this feeling of a mini vacation and the enjoyment of life is exactly what Scripture's wanting us to have in mind as the scripture begins it's sabbath and jesus god in the flesh and his companions are Going through a grain field, and you can imagine the feathery feel of the grains, the wheat, as it rushes past their bodies. They're probably soaking in the warmth of the sun. They're smelling the earth, marveling in God's good creation, knowing how good the grain tastes. And so they pick a few and they rub them and they pop them in their mouth and savor the taste. It's all so delicious and wonderful. A simple act, but an act of great mercy and peace of God. And yet, here come some others with a very different idea, pretty disconnected from grace and mercy, who are wanting to police and judge Jesus and his disciples. And one of them says, why are you doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? It's like being woken from a deep sleep where you're having a great dream for mean reasons with bad intentions it's an awful feeling to be jolted like that in a time of trying to reconnect with god and with yourself your body as i looked at the text this week i think one of the questions that it really invites us to ask of ourselves is have we been mean like that lately we're human sometimes we have a mean spirit when it comes to others Sometimes we police and judge others instead of seeing grace and mercy. And so it's a good question to ponder. Are there ways that we need to look for mercy and grace with others and not be so judgmental? There's an article from the magazine of the University of Notre Dame I found this week by Father Joseph Kaporra, He was writing about his experience of judgment, and he wrote the most common confession that he hears is about being judgmental. For instance, he wrote, one man said, Father, I'm 84 years old, and I'm critical of my grandchildren's spouses. Another one said, Father, I'm always judging my mother-in-law about everything. Or another person said, Father, I'm judgmental toward whole groups of people. In response, Father Kapora wrote, he frequently tells about his story of the red car. And so here's the story of the red car. Once upon a time, Father Kapora was in a store, and he came out, and while he was inside, a red car had parked in front of his so close that he couldn't get out. And so after a few minutes of waiting, he began to get impatient, and he noticed there was a passenger in the side of the car and he wondered might that passenger just hop over and pull the car up a little bit and then he'd be able to get out but the passenger wasn't moving so he decided to start beeping his horn at the car hoping the passenger might get the hint but nothing doing the passenger didn't move the longer he waited the angrier he became he wrote and so he decided to get out of his car and ask the passenger, maybe politely, maybe not so much, to move the car. He got out, he knocked on the window, and he was ready to be snarky. But as she turned and smiled at him, it was then he realized she was blind. Had he known, he said, he might have been annoyed at the situation, but he would have at least had a little more patience. When we judge someone... He said, it's always true that if we would know one more thing about them, we might think differently and might not judge them at all. As I asked before, are there situations or people we need to see with grace and mercy today instead of judgment? What's super interesting to me about this passage is that in verse 2, our version says, some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what's not lawful? But in the Greek, as I read it, it says, a certain one of the Pharisees. And I thought to myself, yep, there does often seem to be that person who is more judgmental, trying to catch others up, squabbling about this or that, and generally focusing on others instead of their own faults. Kind of like we hear in Matthew 7, 5, you know, first take the log out of your own eye. Bef- then you can take, help take the speck out of your sibling's eye. And so I pray today, Lord, help me not be that person who is critical and judgmental. Help me be aware of the log lodged in my own eye first. There's one more important thing I want to say about the text before I close, Both events described here happen on Sabbath, which it's really easy to miss, that point. But it's so important because it's meant to help us know that they were enveloped at that time with grace and beauty and joy of God, God's good gifts. But those who were against Jesus were trying to use the Word of God, the Hebrew Bible, which was meant for peace and rest on this day of Sabbath, they used it to accuse and destroy. They used the ancient text, interpreting it for harm. This comment in the New Interpreter Study Bible really helped me this week as I thought about these words. It says, At stake here is not legalism, but proper interpretation of the scriptural legislation regarding Sabbath. Sabbath observance was fundamental to Jewish identity, and so it served as a suitable test of faithfulness to the Lord. But the scriptural reference to Sabbath keeping are relatively vague. The interpretation and appropriation were all the more important then. From Jesus' vantage point, scribal interpretation had missed the importance of the redemptive purpose of God to be found in the Sabbath. Scriptural references to Sabbath were vague. And so reliance on interpretation of what had been written was so important. This makes me think of the important issues in the Bible and how our thoughtful interpretation of them make all the difference in how we live out the first and second greatest commandments. You know what they are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Each of us needs to take what's written in the Bible seriously. We read it, we study it, we talk about it, we pray about it. We decide for ourselves what we think while also allowing others the respect to do the same without destroying or harming the other in the process. It's kind of amazing. I've been studying Romans on my own in my morning devotions, and this past week, I just happened to be on chapter 14, which says this in uh, verses 1 through 5. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain. And those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them both. Who are you to pass judgment on another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds And as it says in verse 13a, let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another. There are quite a few issues that we could substitute in these words, verses that we really squabble over. And I might be meddling as I say this, but for instance, some believe in singing traditional hymns during online worship while others want to sing mainly praise songs. Some judge wearing masks and social distancing and closing gathering places to be the best practices where others judge freedom and their own unemployment and the unemployment of others to be just as important. And they ask the question about some of these practices out of their own conscience before God. As Paul writes here, those who believe one way should not despise or pass judgment on those who believe another. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. It's before their own Lord they stand or fall. What I take from this in the importance about all of this is to make sure and treat those who believe differently with not only respect, but with the kind of love that God first gave us. Defining ourselves, our own thinking while staying connected to others in a loving way decreases our anxiety and it will bring emotional healing in this world that needs it so much if we can continue to define our own thinking but stay connected in a loving way to others especially those who might not think the same way so important as i mentioned in the beginning we're recording this on january 24th which meant I was preparing these words around Inauguration Day, the days before and after. And so for me, as I watched these events, these historic firsts were pretty incredible. My own experience as a girl, last born in a family of three older brothers, the first, as, long, as, as far as I know, the first to have earned a postgraduate degree on either side of my family, the first female pastor appointed by the bishop here to St. Paul's in its over 130 year um, history, all of those things for me overfilled my heart as I watched and listened to Kamala Harris lay her hand on the Bible and be sworn in as the first female, biracial, vice-president of the United States of America. There were other important first too, but for me, that was beyond meaningful. As I continued to read some of the articles related to the events of an inauguration, there was a tradition I learned about that started in the 80s uh, that was really interesting. It's a tradition that the outgoing president and vice-president leave a handwritten note on their desks for the incoming president and vice president. The magnitude of that act hit me as I read a photographed copy of the note written by President George W. Bush to President Bill Clinton, to some degree adversaries, which included these words. It said, There will be very tough times, made even more difficult by criticism you might not think fair. I'm not a very good one to give advice, said George W. Bush. But just don't let the critics discourage you or push you off course. In our lesson today in Luke 6, this is exactly what Jesus did and what he teaches us to do. He didn't let critics discourage him or push him off course, even as he began discussing ways what they might do to him, ways they might harm him. Instead, he responded to all around him with godly love, as he was and is God. We remember these words we just heard in Luke 6. I ask you, said Jesus, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save life or destroy it. After looking around at all of them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man did so, and his hand was restored. Will you pray with me? Oh God, these words, help us understand them better as we think about our own lives and how We make a difference in every little thing we do, everything we say. And how you want to work through us in the world, changing it word by word, action by action, thought by thought. Help us do our own thinking and give the others freedom to also do their own and at the same time remain loving We are the only ones who will be a sign of your love in this world. Thank you, God, for working through us and using us, for calling us to be your children, your loved ones. Help us continue to come to you, to spend time with you, and to put you first in all ways. Thank you for calling us and loving us. We say yes to you today. Yes, to you in our hearts. Let today be a day of new creation once again for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming into our hearts and our lives. We praise you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.